Our Bible reading this morning is taken, it's in two sections. The first section is uh, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. Uh, that's page 103 of the Bibles that are available at the ends of the uh, seats, if you'd like to read one. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither you can bear fruit, neither can you bear fruit, unless you remain in me. And the second reading is from 1 John, chapter 3, um, and it's actually verses 16 to 24, not, not 11 as it says up there. This is on page 1227 in the Bibles. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in love and in truth. This is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them and this is how we know that he lives in us we know it by the spirit he gave us this is the word of the lord good morning everyone thank you ted jan jeff who've uh, got me ready and uh, as we've heard already it's a big day today it's a special day it really really is um, but I have to admit that that about an hour and a half ago it wasn't quite so special for me or rather it was special for the wrong reasons just about to walk out of the vestry with with Claire at which point I realized I'd left my sermon at home now I know some of you are wishing I'd left this one at home but <laughs> Claire, being, Claire being a sensitive soul uh, explains my, my absence at the start of the service as there having been a domestic emergency at the vicarage. 
And uh, I can only imagine the congregation were then pondering, what could that be? You know, a burst pipe? Harry's fallen down the stairs? Or had Tom failed to make the bed? <laughs> yeah, it was none. Anyway, the sermon is here. It was preached then. Uh, it's being preached now. And actually, Kate um, had a sense from God um, before this service that I needed to be bold. Okay, so I'm going to be bold. I hope you're willing to be emboldened. And uh, so let's see what God uh, says and helps us with today. Okay, so a significant day, a historical day. And um, I wanted to share uh, what I think the one word that I want you to take away with you is. And I want to do it by going back to another moment in history. So today, the first day in which St. Paul's has has planted a church for something like 40 years. And today is a really, really special day. So we're going to watch um, something that happened of 60, uh, sorry, uh, 52 years ago, 1967. And I love this, this little clip. And that was the first day, actually, that a satellite, using satellite, the first time a television program had been shown all over the world. It was called Our World. Did any of you see it? You remember? About two. About two people may have seen it. You might recognize it when you see it. So it was an incredible moment. Something like four, four or five hundred million people were going to watch it. And, and they arranged for a special piece of music to be performed uh, at the beginning of this show. So that's all I want to tell you, other than that there's an orchestra in place uh, and there is uh, an audience in place. And this is what the whole world then heard. Nothing you can see that isn't shown. 
it now oh a lot more of you what a statement that was to play that song that had never ever been heard or known about at that moment but in our special moment at St Paul's in this moment of history I want to give you one word to one word that you can take which I believe is how we can become the community here and the community there that God's calling us to be So this isn't just a sermon for the 15 and the St. Barbara's guys that are here as well who will be going with them. This is a sermon for us all because the planting mentality, the spirit, the faith, the boldness with which we're called to go forward at St. Paul's is exactly the same as what they were being called to do there. So don't switch off. Don't say this isn't for me. This is for all of us. In our own situations, God has a purpose for you. Now, John Lennon, who wrote that song and sang it, he wasn't always very complimentary about uh, Christianity. He boasted at one point uh, that the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. But here's the ironic thing. As he shared what he thought the the world most needed to know, he chose the very word that Jesus chose time and time again to show the human race how we should live. Of course, the difference, tragically, was whereas Lennon ignored God, kept God out of it. God is love, the Bible tells us. He sent Jesus to us because of his love. And so we are called to be people of love. Okay, well, I've got three uh, points I want to make today. I haven't got any slides today, but they're three things that are really easy to remember. They all include that word love. Firstly, the message of love. Secondly, the motivation to love. And third, the moment for love as we build God's community here and in Deep Cup. Well, let me pray before we get fully underway. Father God, thank you even for that song which as an anthem of its time captured the importance of love for the human race. Lord, might we, as those who have your spirit, those who seek to glorify you and witness to you, may we also have love as our defining attribute, as our greatest goal, as the reason for gratitude and as as an example to follow because you first loved us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay. Well, 
probably the most famous verse in the Bible, I expect most of you know, is 1 John 3.16. But interestingly, there's a parallel passage almost as famous in 1 John 3 verse 16. So the first, I probably don't need to tell you, but it's for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But then add 1 John 3.16 to it, and this is what we have. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So, that's the message. And Jesus, of course, here is both the message and the messenger, embodying that love and mercy of God, brought together in this instruction at the end of our passage this morning. And his command is this, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. So the message is this. First, believe in Jesus as the saviour of the world. And second, to have love as the greatest virtue epitomised Jesus' life and death. But these aren't mere platitudes, as perhaps we might suggest that that song uh, was. Actually, these are words that really mean something. It's about authentic love, making a difference in reality. As our passage put it, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love not with words or speech, but with actions and truth. So this is sacrificial, costly love. Modelled to us by Jesus, encapsulated in his teaching. In which, of course, generous giving has its place too. It seems very early in the sermon to mention that. But it's there in the passage and we can't ignore it. And we shouldn't ignore it either. Because it's a reality in planting a church. So make no mistake. Planting this church at St. Barbara's is going to cost St. Paul's in many ways in numbers, but certainly financially. And make no mistake either, for the individuals who go, it's going to cost them too. Whether it's to pay for things needed for the ministry, or whether it's to pay for the needs of those giving and receiving the ministry, it will cost a great deal. You can't make an omelette without breaking eggs, as the famous Maxim puts it. And you can't start and sustain a new church community without giving generously. And can I just say uh, what I've said before at the time, that we are so, so grateful for all of the people that gave at our last gift day, £50,000, so that we were able to proceed with this plant uh, in uh, the white and not in the black. So thank you for that. But it's not just about money. Rather, it's far broader and defined by John here as love in actions and in truth, which is a warning here for both preachers and listeners about those words. Many of us talk a, a great game, don't we, in terms of sacrifice. We say, oh yeah, that's how we live. But actually, words are not enough. We have to also demonstrate it. As two famous quotes of St. Francis of Assisi put it, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And it is for in giving that we receive. Powerful words. Are we willing 
to receive in that way. This is generous. This is authentic community, giving our time, talents, and treasure to meet people's needs, whatever they might be. In a church plant, the risks are greater, the demands are greater, the potential costs are greater. How does that make us feel? Well, it should make us deeply challenged. It is sold out every member ministry that characterized the, the earliest church, in comparison to which, at least in the West, we nearly all fall so short. But with church planting, it's essential. You don't have the luxury of numbers and teams and systems. You have to make do. So if a sermon needs preaching, someone has to preach it. If a children's group needs leading, someone needs to lead it. If a church needs cleaning, someone needs to clean it. It's about mucking in together whatever we think our greatest passion or our greatest gifting might be. The call is for 25 jack-of-all-trades willing to do anything to allow this small embryonic church to survive and flourish. But because of that, I also wonder whether you feel what I feel, which is excitement at the prospect of this new church, this newly added to church, building on its history, becoming what God wants it to be in a town or a village within a name that has been so notorious, whether it's one of the films that was filmed there or the suicides that place there 20 or 25 years ago. What an exciting thing is what God is going to do to transform the image of that place. And at some point, I'm sure the whole country's media will want to know about it. Okay, so do feel excited. It's a church on the front line. It may sometimes also be on the bread line. But it's one in which everyone simply has to have a vital part to play. And which everyone also needs to be prayed for, cared for, welcomed, befriended and built up. It's why John in our passage could write that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Seems a bit extreme, doesn't it? But he wrote it because he understands that the language of family is so relevant. Brothers and sisters. Jesus saw it like that. Of course he did. On one occasion, his family arrived and tried to take him away. They thought he had gone bonkers. And he said, no. My family are these people who hear the word of God and believe it. He also assured his disciples that Anyone who had given up their family and house and wealth would one day be rewarded many, many more times over in heaven. Jesus realized that now, as a Christian, that bond, that most precious bond of faith, is the most precious bond of all. I say that as someone who loves my family, but the greatest family is the one we've been given here together with all of the believers across the world. So the language of family, but it's also the language of sacrifice, because our growth as disciples is the most important we have, individually and collectively. It's not your paid job. It's not even your parenting. 
It's not whatever role you have in the community. It's not your greatest gift. It's to be a disciple. To do what God is calling you to. And to take responsibility, not just for your own gifting, your own ministry, your own service, but collectively for us all to take responsibility for each other's growth and holiness as well. Because what happens if we do that? Well, it means we're no longer trying to do it on our own. Rather, we make ourselves accountable. We give people permission to encourage us, pray for us, celebrate with us. And you know what the thing is? When we do that, when we seek to be the people God called us to be, not on our own, but in public, with others joining us in praying for it, well, we actually start to do it. Things become possible That would never be possible without that support of others. I gather some people actually hire uh, personal fitness coaches. I don't know if anyone's ever had one of them. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I haven't. To be honest, I'd rather have a personal chef, actually. But there we go. But they do exist. I think Ben Bradby might do a bit of this. They do exist because people know that they want to be healthy. They want to be fit. They want to have the longest life possible, and they need someone else to help them to do it. And so do we. We all need mentors. We all need, need people we mentee. We all need a Paul. We all need a Timothy. And we all need what other, other disciple that you love to look up to as well. Okay, so we need to take responsibility for each other which is a biblical model of community, both intimate and costly, supportive yet demanding, but with little room to hide. But that's not something to be fearful or to resist. Rather, it means to help us achieve spiritually what deep down we actually do desire and need. Something that we find it oh so difficult to do alone. But with that community and with those people, we can do it. We can get to the end of our lives like Paul did and say, I have run the race. Knowing that he had walked the path that God had led him on, however much persecution or danger it gave to him. Do you want that legacy? Do you want that to be written or said at your funeral? Do you want to leave a whole load of people that you encouraged, shared faith with, loved and blessed and helped? I do. But it's not just for vicars. It's for all of us. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for second best. Don't settle for trying on your own. Settle for what God has called you to. And draw on others to help you to do it. Okay, so this is about a community that we want to be, both here and at St. Barbara's. And I describe it as moving beyond a a community of acquaintances to a community of friends. From a community that's social to a community that is truly spiritual. Seeking to follow the model of the early church. And, And you probably know this, actually, about two years ago. We did a sermon series all about this. We called it the Acts 2 Church, but I just want to remind you some of the lines that we read about that church to inspire us now. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. 
All the believers were together and had everything in common. He sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had in need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I pray for those things, for this church here and at St. Barbara's. I pray for the miracles that accompanied that early church as well, that we would know that in our experience too. And this is what authentic Christian community and love looks like. And it's God's model both for a new church and an old church, which is why I'm saying it to us all. In which believers are filled with the Spirit and share their whole lives, which doesn't mean literally living in a community which actually is coming back into fashion, believe it or not, uh, among sort of millennials, that age group. Actually, there's been a whole revival in living in community in that literal sense. So much so, as they seek that millennial authenticity, there's actually one in Lambeth Palace at the moment. Various other communities have been planted. Younger folk, now realising they're never going to be as rich as their parents, are choosing to have an experience of community that is far richer and deeper than their parents. Millennials are not bad at all. They may feel like they sometimes don't follow the faith as much as they could, but actually, they want to be real. They want to experience authentic friendships, and we need to bless them. We need to encourage them. We need to take up their request to mentor them. And let's pass on our faith as older people to the generation there and the generations to come. That's part of our calling too. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily mean literally living in community. But community for most of us does need to be sharing our needs and seeking to share them and address them together. Which can produce at least to some extent that fellowship and fruitfulness enjoyed by the early church. Sacrificial love. That's what we're being called to. We're called to accountability. We're called to openness. We're called to commitment to God and each other. And we're called to pray. To be the people and to be the churches that God longs for us to be. And if you ever wonder, what does God long for us to be? Just read Revelation. Read the first few chapters of Revelation and, and read that and, and, and ask yourself, does this look like God isn't that bothered about the hurt church and how it goes? Of course it isn't. He passionately cares. So to be godly is to care like he cares. Okay, that's my long point. The next two are shorter. And uh, the second is this. What is the motivation for love? So we've had the model, now the motivation. And I think the number one motivation gives us has been implicit in what I've already said anyway. It's this. We love because God first loved us. And so at the Last Supper, the night before he died, Jesus said this. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples 
Think it doesn't really matter where we love each other? Each other? Think again. It's the very love that helps people to see God in us. So that's another motive. What other motives are there in the Bible then for being this sort of community? Another. Our desire to live out our calling. Being in practice what we already are spiritually. It's one of those uh, things that I remember sort of learning in my sort of uh, first few years as a Christian. That actually what we are in the eyes of God is also what we seek to become. And you've come across this, I'm sure, yourselves, where we declare ourselves to be forgiven. We declare ourselves to be children of light, not darkness. We declare ourselves to be citizens of heaven. And yet it's not just words. We become authentic when we take how God sees us now because of what Jesus did on the cross. We take that description from him and we choose to live it out, to be who we are, to live with that integrity, to actually carry out what we have been called to do. And that's a powerful motivation as well. And, and this next one doesn't sound, in a way, that selfless, but it's we want to receive as well as give love. And yet we do. And empirically, I don't think there's any doubt that when we give love, others respond. One of my friends went on a, a mission trip uh, when she was about 21 to Africa with Tear Fund. There were about 25 people on this trip. And she felt prompted by God to make a personal commitment to God before she went. That she would pray for every member of that group every day of that trip. She told me the results were phenomenal. It transformed that community. She said, I'd never been in a community stuck with for that length of time who I have loved more and who has loved me more. When we give, we also receive. That was what we read, didn't we, earlier from that quote. And it's from St. Francis of Assisi. And it is so true. If you want to be loved, give love first. What other motivations then are there to be this community? Is that communities of love grow? Or it might be uh, that more people come to faith in communities of love. That also, I'm sure, is true. Or because the peace that comes to us when we seek to love actually is overwhelming, is beautiful, is wonderful. And our passage alluded to it when it said this. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts that rest in his presence. Do you want that rest? Do you want that peace, that sense of fulfillment, of knowing you're walking the walk as well as talking the talk? You've got that to look forward to. If we seek to be a community of love, we can have that peace. And we can expect answered prayers, more of them as well, as we commit to having people and praying for them and loving them. And that's why the passage also said, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, We have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask. Because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. If you want answered prayers, if you want more answered prayers, be obedient and be a community of love and pray boldly as the Spirit prompts you. Now I'm sure you agree there are many other reasons as well why we might want to live a life of love both individually and collectively. 
But the final thing I want to say now, my third point is this. What's the moment? When do we do this? And the answer is now. But not just for the planters. It's now for everyone. Because this is a moment of commissioning of St. Paul's as well. If you think that I'm going to look back on this day and say that was the greatest day in St. Paul's history while I was involved. Well, it was when those people went to St. Barbara's. Don't get me wrong. I'm proud of them. And I wish them every blessing. And I will pray for them and want to keep joining them at moments and sharing that with them. But no, the most important thing for me is that this church... Under my leadership, as I am led by Christ, becomes what God wants us to be. We don't want to use the planters as that slightly kind of embarrassing group of zealots who, put, <laughs> who we can't compete with. No, we want to rejoice in them. And here's the interesting thing. What church is the most famous church in planting churches in the Church of England over the last, the last 40 years? Anyone shout out the name? Yeah, HDB or Holy Trinity Brompton, the full name. But the thing is, I came from the church that I believe was the first one that they planted, St. Mark's Battersea Rise. That was my church in my 20s, where I came uh, from. And uh, when they planted St. Mark's, which went very well, they they moved into a church having to wear hard hats. It was so dangerous. But actually, that church became a church of 800 people. It was amazing. And yet, what did HDB do on that first day that it was planted? Did they put their feet up? Did they pat themselves on the back and say, well done? No. They decided to plant and plant and plant and plant again. Now I think it's over 30 or 40, and they're still doing it. And so for us at St. Paul's, it may not have happened for 40 years, but we need that mentality Not just about planting churches, but we need it about planting ministries. We need it about discerning new initiatives. We need it about forming friendships. We need it about responding to new callings. Callings to holiness, to fellowship, to children, to mission, whatever it might be. We need to be those who always seek the new. Because we know the heritage of the old was built on the courage of those who prayed for and, and went for the new. Okay, let me say one little practical thing as well about this. So the time is now for the planters and for us to see what God has for us in this next season. To be purely practical and administrative though, I do want to highlight something that you should have in your notice sheet. Just have a look, Does someone wave it to me. You should have a little sheet of paper that has a list of roles that you could help us with. Anyone? Yep, good. You've got them. I'm pleased about that. That was my idea. I I wanted that there. Now, I'm not trying to get people to sign up for things uh, unfairly, but I just want us to know what Jeff felt when Jeff came to meet with me to plan this service. Now, he came with a passage in mind that God had given him, and it was that one from John 15 about remaining in him, but crucially about also being pruned. Now, I don't know much about pruning. To be honest, I've probably eaten more prunes than I have pruned plants. I'm not sure I even know how to do it, but some of you do. 
And some of you know that when Jesus in John 15 talks about agriculture and, and, and the, vin, the, you know, the, the, the wine business, he, uh, he understands two things. You cut off branches that are of no use. And God does that too in our churches. But the crucial thing is that those were all, who were already fruitful were pruned so they become even more fruitful. And I want us to think of ourselves at St. Paul's now, as Jeff felt God was prompting him to say to me, that we are being pruned by allowing some of our most fruitful people to go to a place where they can be even more fruitful so that we, the remainder, can be pruned to be even more fruitful ourselves. So don't go away from here thinking, well, I'm not as brave as them. Don't go away from here thinking it's all right for them. God's called them to something. What has he got for me? Now go away from here believing that if God calls one person, he calls them all. If God cares about one person, he cares about us all. If God is big enough to have a bold vision for one set of people, he can do it for another. The only difference is whether we're looking for it, listening for it, praying for it, and discerning it. Don't give up on your boldness. Don't give up on your radicalness. Don't give up on your enthusiasm, your passion, your prayerfulness, your love. But do us to have it more and more. Okay, I've almost finished. We've got some things, gaps in our our rotors. We never want to think about that, but they are opportunities to step up for some of us. Because I honestly believe it is God's will, and that's... We're at a stage of life where we literally can't do anything other than pray. And if that's the case, we'll pray. But all of us, there is something that we can do to play our part in the family of God. As the teaching on the body in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4 tells us, we all have a part to play. Let's pray for it. Let's look for it. Let's embrace it. And let's be dependent on the Holy Spirit. And let's do it in actions, not just in words. I've said enough. We're going to do two important things now for the rest of this service. First of all, we're going to acknowledge that we've got these very, very special people who are being uh, sent off to St. Barbara's today. So I want to invite both any existing members of St. Barbara's who are here this morning and then the planting team just to come up uh, onto uh, the the stage this here or the the chancel just in front of me. Then I want to invite some of the uh, people in the church who would like to pray for them, particularly the leaders in the church, just to come up. And we're going to spend a few minutes just praying for them as we feel led, with the rest of you joining in your your hearts and your heads as we do so. So, planting team, do you want to come up? And uh, that includes Jeff, by the way, if if you're wondering, and Annie as well. Now, do we have Daniel in the room yet? There he is. Jolly good. Are we aware of anyone who's missing at the moment? I don't think so. There will be others of us, like some of the, the, the lay ministers and, and myself and others, who will still take part in ministry at St. Barbara's. But these are the guys who are committing to this really exciting venture this exciting move of God. So what I would invite others to do, you know, anyone can do this, to be honest, but not all of you, but let's come and pray and just place hands on them. And particularly if you're willing to pray out loud, we've got a microphone that we can pass around somewhere. We'll do that. Okay, I'll look for the microphone. If there's anyone else who wants to pray, 
please do come. I have a microphone, so let's pass that around as we pray. Father, we thank you for your calling on our lives. Lord, we thank you that you have called these folks to serve you in St. Barbara's. Lord, we thank you that as you call, you equip. And so, Lord, we pray that your spirit would equip them to do the work for which you have called them, Lord. We thank you that you will make all things new, that you are opening new opportunities in St. Barbara's for service and for your kingdom's sake, for your gospel to go forth, for people to come to know Jesus Christ, to be healed, to be cleansed, to be saved, to be delivered, to be brought into fellowship with you, Lord. So would you do everything in the lives of these folks to equip them for the service you have for them, Lord? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father God, we bless you that you have given us this great opportunity. We bless you for those who have served faithfully at St. Barbara's all these years. And now we pray that the two congregations, the planting team and the current congregation, will blend seamlessly as one, complementing one another in their giftings and working together for the furtherance of your kingdom in Deep Cut. Amen. Lord, we share uh, a picture which was given at uh, the prayer at seven of a cell which divides and um, that creates uh, two new cells which grow. And we pray that that image may become reality as St. Barbara's grows into a new ministry and St. Paul's also finds new life coming from this change. Amen. Amen. And Lord, we give thanks for all the blessings that you've already bestowed on the planting team, all the prayers that have been answered in terms of the vicarage, the funding, and the resources. Please help us to grow in faith, Lord, so that we can continue to seek your will for St. Barbara's, and have the faith to answer the call that you place upon us. Amen. Amen. John uh, 15 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. And Father, I just pray for an impartation of the Holy Spirit into these people that have been chosen by you. We pray, Jesus, that you would use them to minister into the lives of those that don't know you and those that do know you. And Lord, we just ask that you would give them holy boldness and release the Holy Spirit through them into the lives of each other and to others. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, I just want to say that we love each one of you. 
And in that love, I just pray, Lord, that you will fill each of these wonderful people with your Holy Spirit and with your love. And that every moment, Tom talked about the now, every single moment when they think about that, they are filled with the peace of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, I thank you that these bold people will remain part of the St. Paul's family. Lord, we thank you that we will see them again, especially social gatherings and other occasions. Lord, we'll do things together uh, in ministry as well. So we thank you that this is not the end of our friendship. But Lord, might we be inspired by what you do there, and may they be inspired by what you do here. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Father. Amen. Okay. Well, we're going to do something different now, actually. It's not that different, but <laughs> uh, what we're going to do is have an opportunity for everyone who is remaining at St. Paul's uh, just to be anointed with oil. Okay, so some of us, uh, particularly the, the clergy 